Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaiti. And we're here with Jason Shoemaker, our stat man. Um, when certain issues come up that clearly concern our members, I think we're obligated to bring them here and to talk about them. And that's what we're going to do today. The vaccine mandate, which is what it's being called, that the president issued last week is certainly of concern to our members from whatever perspective that that is they're concerned about it right they they want to know what it's about they want to know how it affects us they want to know what the union's going to do about it um so we need to talk about that we need to let our members know what we know at this point and and what what this may look like down the road so the executive order needs to be talked about, right? Let's talk yeah. about the executive order itself. What does sure. it say? It requires all employers with with uh, 100 or more employees to ensure their workers are vaccinated or tested on a weekly basis. Okay. Requires vaccinations for all federal workers and for millions of contractors that do business with the federal government. So the mandate that that will fall under it looks like the the part of the the executive order that's going to require us to be vaccinated um will be the the portion that falls under the the osha regulation right so so part of this order is that osha will issue a rule using emergency authorization um what it says in the coming weeks this order will require employers with more than 100 employees to ensure that their workers get vaccinated, right? That's the part. I don't think that we're going to be considered federal contractors under this executive order. I think that we're going to be um, one of the employers with more than 100 workers, right? So just so everybody's clear, that's what it looks like we're going to fall under, okay? Go ahead, Vinny. Requires uh, COVID-19 vaccinations for over 17 million healthcare workers at Medicare and Medicaid participating hospitals and other healthcare settings. Okay. Calls on large entertainment venues to require proof of vaccination or testing for entry. Requires employers to provide paid time off for uh, employees to get vaccinated. Which is something we already do. Right. Yeah, um, we do. Sikorsky Aircraft is currently paying employees up to two hours to leave work and go get vaccinated. Right. So you can do that on company time already. I would expect that that would remain the same unless the executive order gets into specifics where they require more time off. Right. Um, but right now we get two hours time off and I don't think that's going to change. Um, I, I think we need to talk about um, timelines on this, right? Uh, because right now, what the White House is saying is that federal workers are going to have 75 days to get vaccinated, okay? But again, I'm I'm not thinking that that's going to be us. We are not federal workers. We're, we are contractors to the federal government, but I don't think that that's the category we fall in. We're going to fall into that group of companies that have 100 or more employees. And, and that's a little bit of a different animal because OSHA is going to take time to issue their order. So until that order is issued by OSHA requiring companies like ours 
to to get their employees vaccinated, we the clock doesn't start ticking, right? So what it looks like is we're going to have about 50 to 90 days to comply once that order is issued, okay? And when I say we, I mean Sikorsky Aircraft. This is this is a requirement upon the company, okay? Yes, um, we may have to go ga- go out and get vaccinated, but the company is who is required to make this happen, right? So the company has to make us go out and get vaccinated, and it looks like they're going to have 50 to 90 days to comply with that. Okay, so... So that's what the executive order says, right? It, it's pretty simple. We can we can kind of forget about the healthcare worker stuff and all that because that doesn't apply to us or our members. Um, we just want to talk about how does this affect us um, as workers at Sikorsky Aircraft, as unionized workers. So so as far as the company goes, the the company's still trying to figure this out, right? Um, the, the company needs to understand. Um, the implementation of this executive order, um, they they need to really wait for the OSHA standard to come out so that they can provide us and our members with details and guidance on, on what that's going to look like, right? What implementation is going to look like. And they don't have that yet, right? So this is a waiting game right now. Um, the company doesn't really anticipate uh, any immediate changes, so so right now it's status quo. Right now we're dealing with the mask mandate in our factories. We are dealing with a little bit more for our Pax River folks, right? The the Pax River folks are are the wild card in this because you are employed on a military installation and there are some rules that you may have to comply with that everybody else doesn't have to comply with. So you guys are going to have to comply with whatever regulations that military installation puts into place, right? And, um, you know, we don't know what that looks like right now either. They're a little less consistent than than the company facilities are. So that that game changes all the time, and we're going to work with our members to understand whatever those regulations are um, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, right? Um, so, so th- again, the company is looking to, to figure this out, but right now we have 100% masking in our facilities. That's not going to change unless cases start to go down uh, in, in those locations. But right now, that's where we are. Just to put the um, process in perspective, before the pandemic, OSHA had only issued nine emergency temporary standards um, in its past. So the last one of these that was issued was in 1983. It's been a long time since companies have had to grapple with something like this. So it's definitely going to take time for them to kind of figure out their response. Courts blocked or stayed four of those cases and partially vacated another one. Wow. So that's important. Um, but but listen, let's so so let's talk about the mandate. Um, we've we've explained what the mandate says. Um, I think it's important for people to understand that this is not new, right? This is not new in this country. In other words, vaccine mandates have been around for a long time, right? And, and I think that's important to say. Um, you can go all the way back to George Washington when George Washington mandated that his troops be. Uh, vaccinated against smallpox. That was a vaccine mandate, right? Um, It's gone from there to 
Well, there, there's a couple of cases. 1905 and 1922 are, are a couple of big cases that the Supreme Court actually upheld. In 1905, Jacobson versus Massachusetts um, was a case where the state of Massachusetts was requiring vaccines. This guy Jacobson challenged the it challenged it in court, um, and and the court upheld the state of Massachusetts' position that everyone needed to be vaccinated. Um, and and the court actually, in their decision, made some pretty compelling statements. And I want to read that. So the court said. In every well-ordered society charged with the duty of conserving the safety of its members, the rights of the individual in respect of his liberty may at times, under the pressure of great dangers, be subjected to restraint. It went on to say, vaccinations are neither arbitrary nor oppressive if they do not exceed what is reasonably required for the safety of the public. So the court was pretty clear in saying, hey, the government can mandate vaccines if it's in the interest of public safety. And and I'm not saying this as an opinion, right? I'm not saying this to convince somebody of, of my opinion. I'm saying this because we have legal precedent um, backing up vaccine mandates. I'm trying to prepare our members for for what I think will be the implementation of this executive yeah. order. Okay. I, I want our members to understand that legally speaking, we believe that this executive order will be implemented and um, and the company will comply with it. Right. So so yeah. we have to talk about that. Um, in nineteen twenty two, the other case had to do with school vaccinations. It was a case called Zucht versus King. Um, and it, it happened in San Antonio, Texas. And the court ruled that the state of Texas could constitutionally exclude unvaccinated students from attending school. So so yeah. in other words, the vaccine mandate for schools was upheld. And and that's commonplace today. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't I don't think there's a state. In fact, in fact, there is not a state. All 50 states and Washington, D.C. require vaccines in order to attend school, public schools. Yeah. So um, there's a long history in the United States of vaccine mandates, and those mandates have been upheld by the Supreme Court. And everything that I'm reading, all the research that I've done in order to do this show today, uh, indicates that there's no reason to believe that that's going to change. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, this order will be challenged. There's already talk of it, right? Yeah. So I can tell you that the only actual challenge so far is from the Attorney General of Arizona. So so that's the only one that's been filed so far. The Attorney General of Arizona filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration uh, with respect to this executive order. Um, the lawsuit really focuses on a discrimination issue. Um, what the basis of this lawsuit says is that migrants coming through the southern border are not required to be vaccinated as they pass through the border. 
Um, so the executive order is discriminatory in nature because it only requires U.S. citizens to be vaccinated and doesn't require migrants to be vaccinated. So that's the basis of this lawsuit. Um, there are there are talks of other challenges. Am I right? Yeah. So there's some other grounds for a challenge. So to back up a little bit, um, OSHA can release what's called an emergency temporary standard, which is what they've done here. Um, in order to do that, they have to identify that a grave threat exists to workers within the country, which they're claiming that COVID is a grave threat. There's challenges as to whether or not um, people believe whether or not that constitutes a grave threat. So that's one of the, the basis for challenging it. Another is that they picked an arbitrary number being 100 people. And they're, they're making the claim that, you know, it's totally arbitrary to pick 100. So it kind of invalidates the, the whole uh, the whole mandate. Um, and then one more argument that we've seen is actually from, uh, I believe it was a hospital association saying that uh, their employees were more at risk to contract COVID within the community than at work. I don't know what they were citing in terms of data for that, but they're saying that because the risk is greater within the community, the standard is not needed at work. Um, so you can kind of assess yourself whether or not you think those are going to go anywhere, but I don't think many of those challenges have a lot of teeth. Right. Um, but the the fact remains that while those challenges are going on, we may be in a situation where the the order does not get implemented. I don't know that that's the case necessarily, um, but that may be the case, right? They may delay implementation of this executive order until those those cases go through court. Yeah, but interestingly, a lot of companies, when they announce these types of things, uh, especially for OSHA, a lot of companies begin complying um, in advance of the rule being released. So I think what the Biden administration, a lot of people are banking on is this is kind of giving companies the cover that they needed. A lot of people didn't want to take on the fight of mandating people to go get this. This is giving the the companies the ability to say, look, this isn't our choice. This is the government's you know, mandate. We have to comply. If we don't comply, actually, I don't think we pointed this out yet. They could be charged $14,000 per violation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have 100 employees per day violating that, and you're cited for it, uh, that would be $1.4 million you know, per day. So it's going to be a huge challenge for them to try and comply with. Yeah, and that's going to compel companies to want to comply with this. So, yeah, so it yeah, it's, it's going to make them take it pretty seriously, I think. Um, and it's a really good point that um, you know, companies are going to get out in front of this and start to, start to implement this now. Right. So whether or not it's upheld, I think you're going to see a wave of people go out and get vaccinated, which is obviously what their goal was here. Yep. And let's be clear. We don't know if Sikorsky Aircraft is going to be one of those companies, if Lockheed Martin is going to be one of those companies to get out in front of it and start complying with this order before it's actually written. Yep. And more so than challenges, what we're seeing is employers or groups of employers or advocacy groups coming forward and asking for clarification on how it does this need to be enforced, what's required of us, but less so, you know, fighting it directly. Right. In fact, as we're speaking right now, um, President Biden is meeting with a, a bunch of CEOs um, who who want exactly that. They're they're looking for clarification. They're they're looking to talk about um, what they've done already and what effect that's had on 
vaccination levels in their particular workplaces. So those conversations are have are being had right now at at the the executive level of government. So um, I, I think we're going to learn more as as every day comes uh, about what this might look like. But bottom line is this: this is not going to be easy to implement. I think I think we know that. We have no idea what the timeline is going to be on this. It, it could be next week. It could be next month. It could be next year. Um, we're just kind of in that that wait and see mode. But let's be clear: the this again, not only is this going to be difficult to implement, but it's going to be difficult to enforce. Right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of numbers, you know, they're talking about eighty to a hundred million people affected by this order. There's only 157,000 workers in the United States. So that's roughly half of the workers in the United States that's going to fall under this order. That's a huge undertaking to try and enforce that. Yeah. Um, And OSHA is already understaffed. Right. They're, right. they're not really. Yeah, they, they are. They don't consider themselves fully staffed yeah. and underfunded over numerous years. Right. So, um, again, implementation and enforcement is going to be difficult for them. N- not to say that, you know, hey, that's great. We can get away with not complying. Uh, you know, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that um, it's going it, to be slow. It's going to be. A, we think it's going to be a slow process. Right. Right. So. So the question that everyone is asking, which is what we need to get to, is what is the union going to do, right? Because I know that I'm getting questions um, from both sides of of the opinion poll, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting questions from people who are pro-vaccine saying, hey, you guys aren't going to fight this, right? And I'm getting people... who who are anti-vaccine saying, hey, you guys better fight this. Yeah. So what's the reality? I think the reality is that we have to look at it, you know, remove the bias as best we can and look at it and say, how can we represent all of our members? What does the law say? You know, what are our employees' rights? And try and, you know, make sure that we clarify that for everybody and make sure everybody's understood moving forward. No question about it. Yeah. So, so we have an obligation to to represent our members within the confines of the law, within the confines of our collective bargaining yeah. agreement. And and unfortunately, for, for the folks who are looking for us to take a strong stand against this order, um, unfortunately, our stance is limited, right? Yeah. To your point, Jason, we represent everyone, right? We, we represent everyone no matter what their opinion is on this exactly. right so we have to operate within the confines of the rules and and the rules don't give us a lot of latitude the the rules say that all we can do is negotiate with our employer over things like you know details of the implementation how it affects your hipaa rights we can bargain with the company over punitive stuff like the discipline that's that's implemented for employees who don't comply, right? That's what we can negotiate with our employer over. We cannot fight the U.S. government. We have no jurisdiction yeah. to negotiate with the United States government. Yeah. And, and the cost of testing, 
moving forward, that's another thing we could negotiate for. Absolutely. There's definitely things that we can try and negotiate for, um, but trying to block it all together. You, you know, I, th- I think it's also important to point out, too, that the union, what does the union do when we're faced with something like this, right? So it's not just, you know, the executive board sitting around a table saying, hey, what do you think? They're consulting our legal teams. They're consulting the international Teamsters, and they're trying to come up with a game plan. Right. Um, it's not a matter of just picking which battles you want to fight. It's about figuring out which cards do you have to play and figuring out, you know, what kind of hand you have. Yes, no question. So one thing I don't think we mentioned is that there is a, there is a, well, we did mention it. Vinny mentioned it yeah. in the beginning, but there's a testing component to this too. So as much as people want to call this a vaccine mandate, it's not really what it is. It's as much a testing mandate as it is a vaccine mandate. So the order, as it was stated and as it's written um, by the White House, says that employers must make sure that their employees are either vaccinated or get tested weekly. So so we will, as the order is written today, we will have the option— to not get vaccinated, but we'll have to submit to weekly testing. Yeah, and I think those are the details that we're going to have to wait and see how they get worked out. So, you know, who pays for the testing? Whose time is the testing done on? Um, you know, what discipline is administered for failure to, you know, comply? Right, and that's a mandatory subject of bargaining, right? right. Yeah. The, the, the employer will be subject to fines or whatever other um, punitive action the government takes against them for noncompliance. Um, but that's their problem, right? Our issue and and the issue that we do have bargaining power with is what discipline is upon you if you don't comply yeah. as an employee, right? Um and listen, they're going to want to do that, right? They're going to want to compel you to comply with this. So there's going to be some discipline. Uh, we, but we have the we have the right to bargain that, and, yeah. and that's what we'll do. And we'll make sure that our members' rights are upheld throughout the process, right? That is within our right to do. So one of the things that I heard on the shop floor recently, um, just an employee wanted to share with me their opinion. They said, you know, we work for a Department of Defense contractor. They support the military and the military supports, you know, our freedom and our, our right to choice. Um, you know, I, this employee said, I feel like the company should defend my freedom uh, because of the, you know, the field that they're in and they should take a stand for me uh, and my choice to choose on, on my vaccination status. Um, so to Steve's point, like they said, it's going to be testing or a vaccine in the mandate. Um, but it's also, I think, worth pointing out that a company that receives 70% of their revenue from the United States government is not well positioned to take a political stance on behalf of their employees or anybody else. You know, that's not a corporation's role, um, in my opinion, to, to go on advocate for people's political stance. That's, you know, our right as an individual to go speak to your congressmen, speak to, you know, your senators and advocate for what you believe. But I don't think it's, you know, fair for us to expect that of a corporation. No question. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so here's the bottom line, right? We're, again, and I know I've said this more than once, 
we're in a, we're in a, a holding pattern right now. Nothing has changed. Nothing has been implemented yet. So we're we're encouraging our members to be calm, right? Yes. Show some restraint. Absolutely. Not go crazy on the yeah, shop floor, yeah. right? Let's not fight about this. Um, you know, if if a government order comes down and the company decides that they must comply with the order, then we are going to work with the company to make sure that our members' rights are upheld during the implementation of that order. We are not going to fight against the order because we don't have any legal grounds to do that. That's the bottom line. Um, we do understand that that's going to make some of our members unhappy. Yeah. But sometimes we are limited in what we can do. Exactly. So stay tuned. Um, if, if things develop on this subject, then we're going to talk more about it, right? Yeah. What we do recommend that our members do is attend monthly membership meetings so that you can get those updates from our leadership. Yes. The leadership is in constant contact with company leadership. They're talking about this on a daily and weekly basis. So as things develop, um, our leadership is going to talk about that at membership meetings. Yeah. Right. So so come to a membership meeting. Don't listen to the stuff on the shop floor because rumors happen yeah. like crazy on the shop floor. Exactly. Right. So let's do that. Um, let's finish this up with uh, this week's contest. What is it? What was the first vaccine mandate? In the United States. Pretty appropriate. Yeah. So what was the first vaccine mandate in the United States? Email us your answer at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. We'll put all the correct answers in a hat. We'll mix them up and we'll pick one out of there and you'll win some cool local 1150 stuff. All right. So that's it for this episode. Really appreciate everybody tuning in downloading um please continue to do that go on Podbean and follow us don't yeah. just listen to us but follow us so that you're notified every time a new episode drops that's the best way to do it so that we don't have to tell you that it dropped it it's going to tell you that it dropped yeah. right automatically so follow us listen to us really appreciate it um, and until next time, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And Jason Shoemaker says, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay.